Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 22 on Abraham's response to God calling him, and we'll study the word Hinani that God spoke to him as we learn more from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, today on the Friendship with God radio program. Now, Tom Cantor is not only a Bible teacher and pastor, he is also a scientist and CEO of Scanabody's Laboratory for the past 35 years. Now, Tom is also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, in Southern California, near San Diego, California. And that museum is the first and original creation museum. Now, as a resource of the month, since Tom Cantor is a scientist and the operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum, he's offering a DVD tour of the Creation and Earth History Museum that features Tom Cantor and leading scientists and Bible teachers that covers the six days of creation as well as days number seven. And will also include with this month's resource a great book on the Ice Age and the Flood, which asks the question, does science really show millions of years? It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age. Now, these two great resources will help you take a journey through time. Now, if you'd like a copy of the Six Days of Creation teaching and the Ice Age and the Flood book, it's yours for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support the Friendship with God radio program, staying on this station and airing in your city. So call us right now with your donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send you these two resources, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. We'll send you the Six Days of Creation and the Ice Age book for supporting the Friendship with God with a donation of $20 or more. You can also go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more resources. Or again, call us at 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from the life of Abraham if he was going to stand up for himself or let God stand up for him. But he used to have this habit with his, his cabinet, where when they would be t- faced with a really tough situation, they'd go on the roof of the White House, and he was a cigar smoker, so he'd pass out cigars, and for an hour he said that nobody said a word, they just looked up at the sky and the stars and smoked their cigars for an hour. And they looked up there, and then, it, and then it, they looked at all that, they said, now we've got things in perspective, let's go down and solve the problems. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what is, seeing this, seeing our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the eternal God, he makes our trials just dwarf, they just deflate as we think about the eternity of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, in the light of his glory, what light of his glory? The glory of his eternity. His eternity as the Lord, the everlasting God, as we saw in John 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The glory of the Lord as the everlasting God is seen in verse 3 of John 1. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. That's what Abraham did in verse 33. As he turned his eyes upon Jehovah Jesus, he looked full in His wonderful face, And the things of Sarah, the things of Hagar, the things of Ishmael, the things of Abimelech, they grew strangely dim in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ's eternity, in the light of him as the everlasting God. So now we come to this chapter 22, and ignoring the chapter break, because they were added, 
ignoring the chapter break, and we look at verse 1 as a continuum of what we just read where it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and, and he said, behold, here I am. Now, those first words in the opening verse there are very important where it says, and it came to pass after these things. What things? The things we just were talking about in Genesis 21. So going through all that Abraham went through in chapter 21, we've barely wiped our brow and said, oh man, it caught our breath. When we read these words, it came to pass after these things. And maybe we'd like to read something like this. It came to pass after these things that Abraham went down to a resort in Elot. <laughs> and there he was sunbathing and relaxing on the beach. You know, that, that, That's maybe nice. Or if we were writing this about Abraham, we know ourselves would say, and it came to pass that he, he went to Hawaii for some R&R, something like that. But after all, Abraham is over 100 years old. And, you know, it's maybe like uh, time for enough with all this aggregation, aggr- aggr- aggravation. It's not aggregation. They are aggregated, but I mean to say aggravation. I'm getting aggravated now trying to say the word aggravation. (laughs) All right. But Abraham now is about to face the trial of his life and to emphasize that it's not time for Abraham to rest. God puts in these very important words in verse 1. It came to pass after these things. Emphasis on these and we should never think because we've gone through some rough trials that our trials are ended. You know, we talked about before, like, this, like the, um, uh, the Shogun Samurai, the Samurai proverb says, a- a- after a great victory, tighten your helmet straps. Right, brother? That's how it says, something like that, you know. Don't correct me if it's wrong. <laughs> uh, tighten your helmet straps. And that's similar to what the king of Israel said, but he wasn't a samurai, but nevertheless, the king of Israel said to King Ben-Hadad in Syria in 1 Kings 20.11, the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, let not him that girdeth, girdeth on his harness boast himself as he takes it off, puts it off. And there are two times when we, are, when we're, when we think we're stable and we won't be moved. One is here after a series of trials when we would say, Oh boy, the storm has passed, and um, it'll be clear. It's got to be clear sailing from here on out. I mean, you know, it, it, that wasn't the case with Abraham. And the other case is when times are good. When we look outside, like this weekend, and 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 we say, "Boy, sunshine in San Diego, all is well. Nothing can go wrong." That's what King David described in Psalm thirty, verse six, when he said, "In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved." Well, here he was moved. Three weeks ago, Cheryl, my wife, you know, she was running around getting ready for all the family to meet for, at our house for Easter dinner. You know, we looked at her, you said, there's nothing wrong. All looked well. One week later, she's in Grossmont Hospital with acute myeloid leukemia, AML. She's fighting for her life. The lesson here is that we need to always be prepared for verse 1 of chapter 22. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. As it says in Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. What a day has been. All right, so now we read these next important words. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt 
Abraham, said unto him Abraham, so forth. So that verse does not read, it doesn't read this way, it came to pass after these things that Abraham was tempted, doesn't say that. It doesn't say it came to pass after these things that the devil did tempt Abraham, doesn't say that. The verse says very clearly, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. So the verse is making it very clear that God tempted Abraham. There's no question about it. That's what it says. And when I emphasize that, God did tempt Abraham. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how could God tempt Abraham? It says in James through 1.13, let no man say when he's tempted of God, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, I mean, how do you put those together? I mean, it says in James, God doesn't tempt. It says in Genesis, God tempts. So how do you do that? Well, it all boils down to the Hebrew word that's used here. It's translated tempt. It's the word nasah. And nasah, really, it's better to use the word test or prove. As a matter of fact, nasah is actually translated prove in Deuteronomy 8.2, where the Lord was speaking to Israel, and he says, Thou shalt remember, what Moses was, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, nasah, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. See, in that context, God said he led the Jewish people to wander around in the desert for 40 years. Why? So that they could be humbled. Why? So that he could nasah, he could prove them, and so he could know what was really down in their heart. As Pastor Jim used to say about what a person does when he gets upset, you find out what's in the glass when the glass is shaken. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. So the only way for God to prove or to test what was, what's in the heart, what's in the heart of Abraham, what's in the heart, is through these tough situations, these hard circumstances that he goes through. And God is constantly proving. He's constantly testing us by hard situations so that what's concealed in the heart can be revealed, can be brought out. He's constantly shaking the glass. And now, the difference is that when the devil tempts, he tempts with the goal of or in order to destroy. That's what the devil does. But the difference is is that when God proves or tests, he does it with the goal of or in order to crown, to crown us. See, that's what it means when it says in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, where Peter said, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold, boy, Abraham sure had that, manifold temptations, manifold, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. See, that's God's goal with the trial, so that at the end, we might be found unto the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. As Job said, Job said this verse, which is right now Cheryl's favorite verse in the hospital, Job 23.10, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's God's goal with trials, for us to come forth with gold. Not just any gold, but gold tried in the fire, as it says in Revelation 3.18. Gold tried in the fire. Now, then we read the next words in verse 1, which are, He said unto Abraham, 
And he said, Behold, here I am. Now we see in this verse how God called Abraham by his name. Now that was something for Abraham. Imagine, you know, you're Abraham, and you hear God call you by your name. He hears him say, Abraham. And just hearing God say your name, is, it brought such a wonder to Abraham, such a thought. He knows my name. He knows my name. He just called me by my name. God, the, the everlasting God, the eternal God, he just called my name. You know, we have such a special relationship with God. And we have a, such a special relationship with this book, the Bible, that, that the lost don't have. And so for us, the Bible is how God speaks to us. And when we're all alone with God and we open the Bible, we read a verse and it just seems to lodge in our soul and it comes with, some, with a meaning to us. It speaks to us. That's God speaking to us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, it's like God, God is then calling us by our name. It's like calling our name. You say, and sometimes people will say, you know, they come to church and, and they think the, the person is preaching just to him. That's God calling to him with Abraham. As he said, as the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 10, 2 through 4, he said, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, the sheep hear, sheep hear his voice. That's what it says. The sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, the sheep follow him. They know his voice. See, they know his voice. He calls them by name. That makes them his sheep. Our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, he speaks to us through the Bible. When he does speak to us, we hear his voice. We hear his voice when we hear the voice of our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And his words become so personal to us that is as if he's calling our name. He's calling, he knows our name. And so verse 1, when Abraham heard God call his name, wonderful thought, he knows my name. We read in the Bible, and, and, and when we get this impressed, we'd say, he knows my name. Now, we read that Abraham said, that after God called his name, it says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, said unto him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now, in the Hebrew, the word translated, here I am, is the word hineni, hineni. So this calling of God to Abraham and Abraham's response, it wasn't this. It wasn't this, you know. It wasn't God saying, like he lost a set of keys, you know. And now where is that Abraham? I lost Abraham. I just lost, I can't, I misplaced Abraham, you know. I don't know where he is right now. And so Abraham, you know, and there we are. And I can't find you. And then Abraham says, you know, he nanny. It doesn't mean I'm over here. I'm over here. <laughs> See me now? No, that's not what it means. So when God called Abraham, it was as if God was saying really to Abraham with the, you know, not where are you, but he was really saying to him, are you ready? See, that was the implication behind God calling to Abraham. Abraham, are you ready for the next chapter in your life? And when we see that God's call to Abraham was really an are you ready, Abraham, then we can see the meaning of the word hineni. Because hineni then drives us to see that it really means I am ready. That's what it means. Hineni means I am ready. It means it's sort of like at your service. You know, it's sort of like you know, in the military, you know, reporting for duty. That's hineni. Hineni is an expression of readiness, an expression of I'm hearing, I'm listening, I want to listen, I want to hear, I'm obeying, I want to obey. That's hineni. So by saying hineni, Abraham was saying to God, yes, Lord, 
I'm listening. I want to hear you because I want to obey you. It's an expression of the heart that it wants to hear, it wants to obey. And Abraham, you could just say, he's a Hineni man. Right? And that's why, that's why this term Hineni is so important for us as Christians. Because the meaning of Hineni in the sense of, yes, sir, reporting for duty, that should be our expression as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we're Hineni people. You can color us Hineni. And this is not the only place in the chapter where Abraham has said this Hineni. So actually, it's the first time in the Bible where this is used, Hineni. But when Isaac turns to his father, Abraham says in verse 7, he, he, he says, when Isaac says, my father, then Abraham responds, not with a cold, what do you want, boy? It <laughs> doesn't do that, you know. He, but Abraham responds with a very warm Hineni, my son. So how can I serve you, my son? I'm ready to serve you. And in that sense, Abraham knew the question beforehand. He already knew what Isaac was going to ask. You know, it was was obvious. You know, everything is being prepared for a sacrifice, and everything's there, and the lamb wasn't there. Abraham didn't walk away and say, I wonder if he'll notice no lamb. You know, it's like, you know, you got to give him more credit for that. So Abraham already knows what Isaac's going to ask. In verse 7, Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and, when, and he knew what the question is going to be, but he says, He ain't he, my son. I am going to serve you, my son. I'm going to, do my, I'm going to, re- I'm going to give myself for you, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, how, how would Abraham, he already knew what the question could be, how would he ever respond to this heartbreaking question of Isaac? When he knew Isaac's question before even Isaac asked it, and he responds with a hineni. That says it all. The beauty, the tenderness of this scene. As Abraham says to Isaac, hineni, my son. With that hineni, Abraham was saying, son, I'm at your service. I don't know everything, but what I know, I will tell you. I know the fear in your heart, son. But, so, so with a hineni spirit, of service to you, I will minister to you. I'll give you exactly what you need to settle the question in your heart. I know, and here it is. Here's my answer as I give you the, from a Hineni spirit. God will provide. I know that God will provide a lamb. Or God will provide a resurrection for you. Or God will provide a prepared place for you in heaven. But whatever it is, it's going to have this theme of God will provide. Whatever happens, I'm at your service, son, and I'm setting in the nest of your thoughts, the nest of your mind, this truth that I want you to know, I want you to keep thinking about it, as I have, and that is God will provide. And so Abraham said that to Isaac with all, he said that in all in the spirit of the Hineni. And in verse 11, when God interrupted Abraham from killing Isaac, and God called to Abraham, 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 and Abraham stopped with the knife that was about to go into Isaac, he responds to God in verse 11 with Hineni. In other words, Abraham said, Hineni, there. He's saying to God, I'm still at your service. When Abraham said Hineni, is about to kill Isaac, he's saying, nothing has changed, God. I'm ready to obey you. I'm still the submissive servant. With this Hineni, Abraham is still saying, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I'm ready to continue, or I'm ready to change my plans. You direct, Hineni. Hineni was put in this chapter to the test. 
this is the real test of Hineni for Abraham. And this chapter shows, and, and Abraham passed the test. And I, you know, I'll never forget the time when this word Hineni became very real to me. In 1975, five years after I had received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, my father was on this campaign of trying everything to get me to recant and return to Judaism. I mean, he sent me to the, uh, the reform rabbi, and if that wasn't good, he sent me to the conservative rabbi, and then he sent me to the orthodox, many, many rabbis. And then, so finally, he also decided to, to, that he wanted me to attend this special meeting at the Hollywood Palladium. You know, that was the time, 1975, when the Jews for Jesus were really gaining ground with Jewish students, and, and this, this meeting, which was called Hineni, the meeting was called Hineni, from an organization called Hineni, and, and specifically, it was designed to stop Jewish students from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and to bring the Jewish believers back to Judaism, actually Orthodox Judaism. So, the, like I said, this was called a Hineni Reawakening. They called it Hineni Reawakening meeting. And the outstanding Jewish leaders were all supporting the speaker, Esther Jungres, who was a, a Hungarian, who is, she's still alive, Hungarian Holocaust survivor, who, and, and she's the one who formed this group called Hineni. And she was very charismatic. She was very charismatic. She was a real Jezebel. And, and she spoke on this passage in, uh, in, in Genesis 22 here on the word Hineni. And very convincing. Very, just about as convincing a messenger from hell as you could get. And she raved about how Abraham said to God Hineni. And I, and I was enjoying the message, actually. You know? <laughs> and so, and then, but then she got into, you are a Jew, not a Christian. Come home to Orthodox Judaism, not Christianity. And um, so, I, you know, I didn't appreciate that part so much, but I liked the other stuff she said. And, and so it was so convincing that I walked out of the meeting and I said to the Lord Jesus Christ at that meeting there on the sidewalk there in Hollywood, I said, I said, Hineni, Lord Jesus, I'm at your service. So it means that, at your service. And it's another reason that we as believers, as believers, we're Hineni people, because when it says in Philippians 2.4, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. See, looking out for others at the expense of looking out for our own things, for, for our for expense of looking out for ourselves, that describes Hineni Christians as they, at their service for other Christians. And in Romans 15.1, when it says, what we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves... See, serving others by bearing their infirmities at the expense of pleasing ourselves, that describes Hineni believers or those who serve other believers. And then 1 Corinthians 10.24, when it says, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's. See, seeking to promote others at the expense of self-promotion, that describes Hineni Christians serving others. In fact, the whole of 1 Corinthians 13 really describes Hineni Christians Especially the part where it says in, in verses 4 and 5, 1 Corinthians 13, love, charity suffers long, is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. That's describing Hineni attitude, Hineni spirit. I want you and I, we should leave this class today, like I did from the, the Hollywood Palladium meeting, and say, I'm a Hineni person. I'd say, the Lord Jesus, Hineni. And when we open our Bibles, and when we say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth, that's the same thing as saying, Hineni, I'm at your service. We open our Bible, we say to God, Hineni, we're saying to God, we want to hear and obey. 
In our dealings with others, we're Hineni people. In our dealings with God, we're Hineni people. So, as we leave, as we leave now, verse 1, and we come into verse 2, now he's just said Hineni, he just said, I'm at your service. And Abraham has no idea what God is going to ask him to do. But with this word Hineni, he set himself up, and he said, you know, God, I'm at your service. I'm standing ready to obey. Pretend like you haven't read the rest of this chapter a hundred times. And, and I want to hear every word that God has to say to me. And there's no way that Abraham could have imagined what God was going to ask him to do when he came to verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mounts which I will tell thee of. So we can imagine the shock of Abraham when he hears these words that He's here, and he's hanging on every word that God has said in verse 2. Just like he's fixated. Now let's put ourselves in Abraham's shoes as he's, as he's just extracting out of the mouth of God every word. He's really, really you know, and he, and he says, let's just imagine ourselves as Abraham. Let's just not, you know, let, let's imagine that we're hearing each word for the first time. And we think about it. So what is the first word that God says to Abraham in verse 2? Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. If you enjoyed this message, you can download it or listen to it for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also download it for free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. You can also get our resource of the month, Tom Cantor's Genesis Six Days of Creation Teaching from the Creation and Earth History Museum, and the Ice Age and the Flood book. These two resources will help you take a journey through time, and they're yours for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support the Friendship with God radio program staying on this station in your city. Call us today at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Or for more information about Friendship with God or Tom Cantor or free resources, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God.